Hello, and welcome back to Dollars and Dragons. I have here with me today Drew, a.k.a. Mudcat, if you'd like to tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone listening. Uh, I am Mudcat or Drew, whichever you prefer. Uh, I am a producer and content creator, uh, also the co-creator and uh, and producer of E20 Deathmatch is what you might have seen me on. I see that you put on your, your rock and roll voice, <laughs> like your stage oh, yeah. present voice. <laughs> I got a, I got a radio I, voice. <laughs> we were just talking normal normally prior to this and then you just put it on and like oh i'm on now okay i can't uh, i can't really turn it off you know what i mean it's like you you when you've been creating content for so long and yeah. someone says like record it's like smooth jazz in the morning <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i totally understand i have the uh i have the dm narration voice mm-hmm. as well so whenever i'm like d20 death matches at dungeons and dragons 5e live stream show and then when someone tells me that i'm narrating like death match is a Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Luckily yeah. for our show, I get to default to just the metal screams most of the time. So you know, it's a, oh, it's yeah. a nice switch up from the radio yeah. voice. Yeah, for sure. Did you um uh did you ever sing in a band? I yeah, I, I've, I've played and singed in, in a, a couple of different uh, metal and you know like uh, scene bands back in the day. Not not in recent times, but definitely uh, definitely in the past. I I do have hopes that one day I'll be able to front a metal band again because there's just uh, there's nothing like just screaming into a microphone for for no reason. Back in your your glory days, as it were, was it a college band? Uh, I played a little bit in college with some folks, but mostly high school stuff. Okay, okay, okay. a few things here and there afterwards, uh, but never anything that was like you know testing or solid or anything like that. A few right you know you get together with some folks you're like let's let's form a band and then you play like three times because you know life is life and and also your drummer sucks or whatever and you're like ah this sucks <laughs> yeah your uh your D scheduling but for uh but for a band i guess that makes sense yeah that's probably why most bands don't make it out of the garage yeah well imagine imagine that you're playing D with folks but then they also have to like put in work during the week and like you know, yeah. practice and do homework and stuff like that. Like that thing, that shit would fall apart so fast. Sorry, I don't yeah. know if I'm allowed to curse here. No, that's fine. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just hosted on uh, on my website, so, and uh, Substack, so. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. I do put together shows and, like, finding the right people for shows, even when you're paying them, can be kind of difficult. So even finding people that are right for a band mm-hmm. when you're not paying them well oh that'd be tough yeah it's uh that's i think that's a common theme of like just putting together shows or any sort of creative aspect with a group is just scheduling and uh and then you know getting people to buy it buy in even if you are paying like you said like sometimes you pay people and they still don't show up prepared or whatever and you're like what did i just pay you for <laughs> you know what i mean exactly um have had these experiences where exactly that i i guess i don't really need to get into it but like <laughs> i just kind of like look at them and I'm just like hmm okay um well you're a professional huh <laughs> Yeah, the the bar is really low for uh, those entering the streaming space, of course. You know better than most people. Uh, getting ramped up for any sort of YouTube or Twitch presence or branding through these live streaming services takes quite a while. How did you get your start? Well, I started uh, content creation streaming t- 10, 11 years ago um, now, almost 11 years ago, playing video games, played on Twitch for a while. After a few years, moved to uh, Beam, just as it was kind of becoming Mixer, uh, became Mixer partnered there and and really kind of rose through the ranks playing Sea of Thieves, of all things, over there. Um, became a Sea of Thieves partner, did a bunch of stuff, kind of peaked out there at that platform, and then we moved back over to Twitch um, shortly before that platform collapsed. But uh, over on Mixer, got uh, uh, got started playing D anD D while we were over there, and that continued for the last four four years or so. Um, and so after a couple of years of playing D anD D on other people's stuff, we uh, we decided like, hey, uh, let's do our own thing too. Um, so a couple of years ago, we started D twenty Deathmatch, and so it's just been a uh, been a, a, a just a 10-year experience of streams, podcasts, uh, YouTubes, Twitches, Mixers, you know, whatever. I've done pretty much everything. Yeah, that's definitely something that a lot of people, when you first talk to them about their first foray into either streaming or producing a show or anything like that, they ask that question and they're like, yeah, um, how do I get to streaming and when should I expect to make it or mm-hmm. uh, make money <laughs> doing this? And I'm like, well, um, never. yeah, never, first of all. And then never. secondly, um, maybe 
maybe you can grow your audience within a year or two, or you can see progress, but you're not going to see progress for at least a year. Because there's so many people out there, first of all, who want to do that. The barrier of entry is so low. Mm -hmm. I think it's more likely right now that you make, you win the lottery, than you make minimum wage on Twitch, right? Statistically. So of all the people who hit the start streaming button, to sort of approach that kind of thing with anything other than a long-term mindset for business growth, I think is folly. But for you, you've been in and out of it for over 10 years. What are some of the things that you did that you were most proud of prior to doing D20 Deathmatch? Uh, well, you know, I, I talked about being a, a Sea of Thieves partner. Um, that was really uh, impactful to me and to my career. That's kind of when I say took off, uh, you know, not really within reason, you know, took off, uh, right. started, uh, you know, making some, some actual money, uh, and, and getting some, some notoriety for that game in that community. I was one of the first partners that, uh, partnered with rare with, with see these for that game. Uh, I also was in the very first, uh, PVP competition they did at E3, uh, called the battle for LA, uh, where I got second, still sore about it. Uh, nice. it also was in the battle for Orlando. So their whole PVP initiative kind of like catapulted me, uh, you know, on the mixer community. So that's that's one thing I'm super proud of. Um, but that was also like years into my content creation. And it was like right. a I had prepared for that moment. You know, I, I was already calling myself the Pirate King of Mixer for no reason. Just yeah. a branding <laughs> thing, uh, yeah. you know, and people would come in and they would they would just bitch and moan at me about I could kick your ass and, you know, all this stuff. I'm like, it's working perfect you know what i mean so like they hate that, me. just that whole yeah exactly that whole um that whole time of like sea of thieves like really uh taught me a lot about streaming and and through that i got to interact with brands and and bigger folks as well and um got to you know really network you know outside of that small circle of people that you can network in when you only have like 10 viewers you know what i mean right. when you start pulling a few hundred viewers or something people are willing to talk to you yeah. and so that's opened up a lot of opportunities for people that i know in the industry uh, even now even though i don't really stream on my channel anymore and i mostly focus on the D stuff i still know people and stuff so that's i think that that's the, the 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 crowning jewel in the in the achievements because it just catapulted so many other opportunities for me i find that people well networking first of all is considered a dirty word to some people but um naturally because of the bad examples of networking yeah. for most people when they're trying to establish themselves they have a real difficulty separating themselves as a creative and then also going out and like being someone that can go out and chat with people and talk to people and like be somebody that's I don't know I don't I hate to say cool but like <laughs> personable uh, uh, yeah a non a non ass like yeah you can you can be kind of an ass I guess if you're within the right company but like for the most part like when you're dealing with most folks in the industry if you're like a streamer or anything like that or game designer maybe you only meet someone for once for like 20 minutes or something and that's their impression of you for forever oh yeah well and you especially like so in that 10 years i've gone to so many conventions and things like that and i've met people that work at some of the largest game companies uh that exist i've met people that work at microsoft at at wizards at you know all these places and most of the time i had no idea who they were or where they worked i just met them with some folks and then you know later on i figured out you know we connected on twitter or something i'm like oh well that dude's the ceo of a company or that guy's you know uh, head of their creator programmer um and and sometimes you meet people who aren't like nobody they're just other content creators like you i'm using nobody in that air quotes you know like they don't have anything you know necessarily in terms of credentials or anything like that but then later on they become the community manager for a game or they they become a, a developer somewhere else or they become huge on tiktok or they you know so like just not being an asshole is goes a long way <laughs> it, it really does yeah you know? absolutely i um i see this happen all the time where people are they're super small and they'll reach out and they'll quote unquote shoot their shot in mm -hmm. the industry by trying to tag like i don't know like brandon lee mulligan and they're like <laughs> a like five viewer person i'm just like what are you doing you should be working with and treating people well and we're working to create stuff with people at your level and then every new project maybe you like try and reach up and like mm -hmm. um work with somebody whose work you admire who's like 
like a little bit bigger or has a little bit more in their portfolio every single time that you you go back to uh the creative board as it were or if you're going to collaborate at least but yeah, yeah some that, oh so yeah that's that's exactly kind of uh my mentality and our mentality on d20 deathmatch kind of always has been that like whether it's streaming or whatever you're you're doing if you're doing something creatively or even just in in business like you want to be creating with people around your size or around your scope uh because those are the people you have readily available to you and who are willing to put in the time especially if you're not paying people uh, right. or you can't pay people like those are the people that are there's there's a mutual benefit there you should never engage in a i think a creative endeavor unless both parties are going to benefit in some way whether that's enjoyment or or monetarily or some sort of uh, networking opportunity you know there should be some benefit for both parties otherwise you shouldn't be doing it um and so until you can offer benefit to somebody who's a little bit higher than you like you know even if you're a little smaller but you have this 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 kick-ass show that you know you you know will blow the walls off if they're on it you know that's something you can provide them even though it's not you're not as big you can be like hey we have a a place for you to create something really cool and that's something you can offer too and and, but you also want to work it the other way where you know as you grow uh you know you can reach down as well you know obviously you're probably not going to reach down to like somebody who just started yesterday but you know working both directions at the same time is an ideal strategy and you just you just keep moving your way up and you uh, you keep reaching up a little bit and you keep reaching down a little bit to pull some other folks up cuz you know you may get that Brennan Lee Mulligan but you know you're going to and he's huge right and and that may be good for your show or whatever but you might uh, by reaching down or reaching sideways, you might get 50 other people who are very talented and create good content who you can take with you and continue to make content with. And, you know, if, if, you know, let's say you do get Brennan Lee Bull again, he's one dude, you know, it's one show, one person versus a, a pool of 50 people now that you could choose from. Like, it's just yeah. It's numbers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And also you're going to be able to maintain a relationship with people at your level for a long mm-hmm. period of time. Um, I started running shows, D&D shows uh, last year, last year and a few months ago, I ran my first show. I like reached out to the creator of a setting and then we put something together and I was using people within like my sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. And then for the next show after that, I reached out to some people that I had broad connections with or light connections with. And then I was like, hey, we're going to do this show. This is what we're doing. We ran a pilot. Cobalt Press picked it up. And then it kind of went from there and like all these other connections. So I think a lot of people skip those initial steps where you want to create something that is intriguing and interesting for other people to participate in first, instead of reaching out and like trying to make something happen out of the ether. Because if you're not providing someone with something, then yeah, why would they work with you? Well, and and from from day one, when we planned our D20 deathmatch, like it's not like we weren't thinking that someday, yeah, we want to have, you know, like Brandon Lee Mulligan on. That'd be great. Someday we would love to have someone like Matt Mercer. We really want to have Danny Trejo on our show, like real, real bad. Someday he's on our list. When we when we started, you know, because our show's episodic and we need new people every week, like we we made a huge list of yes, we made a list of people we would love to work with someday. Some you know some people we wanted to to work with. We 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 kind of just you know not to say this in a way, way that sounds bad, but we tiered people. You know what I mean in terms of yeah. like these are the people we we cannot get. You know these are the people that you know maybe we could reach out to a couple of these folks and shoot a shot because they're a little bit bigger than us. You know, and, and granted, when we came into the space, like I stream, my wife streams, we're part of other D&D shows. Like, it's not like we were starting from zero here. Um, so we did have connections in some of those places. And then and then we made a huge list of people like, who do we know on Mixer or from Twitch or from wherever? And we, we didn't just focus on D&D folks. We were, you know, all streaming folks, all industry folks. Because our format, we can just play with people who have never played. Um, yeah. So for us, we sat down and we made a list. And I think that's important to do. Like, you know, who who can you get on your show who is 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 reasonable for your size and your network and people that you know or friends of friends um especially as you're building something you know because you have no proof of concept you know we reached out we did you know and in the early days we shot some shots you know from from you know we were like hey we're we're gonna do this show we'd love to kick it off with some really cool folks just to get the ball rolling and um a few said yes a few said no you know as we've gotten to season two and three like we've shot some big shots um privately and almost nobody has said no it's usually a scheduling issue or or a budget issue 
issue. You know what I mean? So like we've, we've definitely reached out to, to some folks and I'm sure we'll have them on eventually someday. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's not a no, it's a not right now. Yeah, I found that to be kind of the situation with a lot on tabletop, especially is the, the not right now answer is very common because you can only take on so many projects a year. Yep. So I think it, it is important as it is to try and create something cool. It's also equally important to surround yourself with people you can actively work with throughout the year, which is why you see a lot of game designers and or streamers who collaborate. They often collaborate for a while with the same people because it's more cohesive that way. And then also you're in the same place to be able to uh, lift each other up, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of individuals you'll see like they've made like three different games in one year with like the same four people yeah. uh and then the next year you might see like a slight change to like their team i should say or like mm -hmm. you know that everything's like really muddied as far as like who's working where because of freelancing <laughs> right. within tabletop but you'll notice that and then uh generally most of the requirement for working with people is like do we get along and are we cool and yeah. then of course creatively it's cool to have like similar goals but yeah well, there's that's a, it. like you were saying that it's, it's you gotta you have to get along you have to there's so many factors to consider and so like scheduling is a huge issue obviously like we were saying you know we did the crazy thing of saying we're gonna do new people every week so you you know we took we took that the worst part of D D and just made it a regular thing for us you know and it's and it's onboarding people every single week especially sometimes people who haven't played teaching them how to play teaching them how to make a character teaching them how to you know and, and luckily we've gotten kind of streamlined at that um thanks to uh thanks to my partner uh becca she uh helped a lot with that because i'm terrible at that kind of being concise um as you can tell here i like to ramble <clears throat> so you know, like we had to, we had to do that. And it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, you just say the same people are like on the same shows over and over again. And that can be a frustration point, I think for a lot of people too. Cause if you're trying to like get into this space or play with different folks and everybody's always playing together, but it's, it's more convenient. It's, it's easier to schedule people when you already know them. And, and we've developed that over a few seasons. We have some, you know, a few folks that we could call up moments notice and be like, Hey, we had someone drop tonight. Can we get, would you come on the show? Um, and that's nice to have those people in your, you know, in your circle to be like, you know, you do things for them, they do things for you. And it's and people you want to create with or enjoy creating with or people that understand, especially for our show is like, do you understand the concept? Like, you know, you're not here to min max kill somebody in one blow. And if you don't get that, then we're going to have a probably not a great time, you know? Um, yeah. and some people, some people don't, most people do, or they, they get it by the second half of the show. Um, but that can be, that can be interesting. Cause it's like, who can you work with? Who can you trust to show up? Who's flaky? You know, you start to learn these things who can be dependable, you know, and then you start to learn, like, as you start getting people on who are bigger and bigger, like sometimes just because they're popular doesn't mean they're great for your show. Also doesn't mean they're talented or funny or, or interesting or professional <laughs> or professional. Like some of the, you know, some of the folks that, that people want are like climbing over each other to work with are uh, you know sometimes the people that you are like yeah they're not for us like we don't we don't want to work with them um in our setting you know like it doesn't work for yeah. them. that's uh that's something you have to consider too and like be okay with saying like just because they're someone you could benefit your show doesn't mean you have to have them and absolutely i uh i hate to always harken back to like think lessons learned i should just have like a segment lessons learned <laughs> from that bronze girl she operates purely off of vibes so like mm. if the vibes are off like she's like yeah and yeah. you know it's, it's she just doesn't have time to deal with a lot of stuff. So sure. um, I think that I think that really is right on the nose for a lot of people being able to work well with someone is it's pretty important as far as like getting a good product out, especially when the art itself is collaborative. Yeah. And it's, 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 it can be hard to find those, those folks. And, you know, with, again, with our show, we have to, we've had to put ourselves out there a lot um, because we have to have new people all the time we've met new people all the time and a lot of times when we play with people we've never played with them uh we quickly learned that we the people that are playing against each other should know each other already if we can if we can possibly do that because that makes things way easier they already have a relationship they play together they're friends it kind of gets that the, the juices going of, of the the trash talk and stuff because we want people to come out and trash talk and and swing for it we don't want it to be awkward and and I know that table chemistry is important. So we try to just, you know, we used to be like, uh, we'll just take whoever we can get. Now we're like, okay, let's find pairs of people who know each other or at yeah. least in adjacent circles. And we're getting pretty good about, even if they don't know each other, picking people that can sit down and like, be like, okay, yeah. And as we've gone in season one, two, three, we've gotten really good about picking people that are like, okay, that person's, uh, 
improv style or or humor or comedy or dryness or whatever would fit in our show and those people's style that would be hard to work with you know what i mean we've gotten really good at picking out the right fits for our shows and the right fits for people uh against each other like uh like you and dan when you were on our show it was like oh yeah you guys uh, you all know each other and and we try to do that as much as we can just so there's some sort of rapport there even if it's like loose yeah i it's always a joy to work with dan and um i think that absolutely you're talking about all this shit that i geek out about as far yeah. as like being a producer and like well, how does this actually work like what's <laughs> the behind the scenes stuff that we need to do the stuff that nobody knows exists if you haven't put together a show before uh paying mm-hmm. attention to casting chemistry is immensely important especially for like i would say it's a different challenge i wouldn't say it's harder or easier than uh a long-term casting but like it's sure. di- definitely different so like you have to be mindful of different things in my opinion for me casting long-term shows i can figure it out over two or three weeks if a cast works together because i can mm-hmm. have them work together and like run some practice runs and see like is this working if it doesn't then we can just try again with another group mm-hmm. um whereas with you like it's like you really have to call it your shot so i find that to be pretty interesting yeah and sometimes we miss <laughs> yeah. you know like sometimes things, yeah sometimes sometimes we miss we've gotten a lot like our season three for me has been some of the most fun and engaging casting that we've had not to say that i didn't enjoy season one and two like there's things that i enjoyed about every single show we've had um but i just like if you look at it on a scale like it's it has trended upward talent wise um and, and that's not just due to us pulling like better talent or to say like that these people are better than these people. A lot of it's us getting better as DMs because we're co-DMing, we're throwing these people into a scenario they probably don't understand, and we're getting better and more efficient about explaining it, about you know figuring out how to when things get awkward or get weird uh how do we cut that shit out if things are unbalanced how do we just fucking break the rules and balance it rebalance it so it's not stupid you know so like we are getting better at dms and the more you play with different kinds of people i think that's one benefit of our show is like you have to get really really quick at sizing up your players and what they want and what they think is fun and what they don't think is fun and where they think they're you know even though they'll tell you we do have documents where like hey where are your you know your lines and your veils and all this stuff like you know they sometimes they don't tell you you know what i mean or or they they don't no. remember something or you know yeah. uh so you get pretty good at picking up like when someone's like oh this is awkward you know what i mean or you yeah uh, so that's just it's it's like it's like having to dm but it's it's just doing it on the fly and i honestly i think the longer casting is harder though if i had to if i had to gauge between the two uh i think i think that's the harder one because we can sit people down and even if it's a little awkward we're done in two hours you know if you've signed on for a, a 40 week campaign like you're, you're fucking stuck <laughs> you know what I mean? like that's that's rough that's that's a nightmare for me i would not want to I, would, I wouldn't want to do it um as someone who's done that um <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is. It it especially can be because for stream shows, the reality is like, especially like at our level, like we're not paying people so Mm -hmm. much. They can just like, you know, this is not the priority in their day, even a lot of the time, even if we're paying like above a normal rate or we're hitting them with like 50 bucks for a, a two hour appearance, which is decent money. It's like $25 an hour, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it can be difficult because not everybody's coming with the same headspace. Like it's not going to crush them if they lose this gig um, because we don't have the sort of clout to where they would weigh it as heavy as like if they got onto a show with like i don't know like b dave walters or something Mm -hmm. obviously that's gonna bear a very significant difference in how they approach it because of how they perceive it yeah the that's it it can be rough to to motivate folks uh in that way and that's I, i think that that comes down to part of the casting process too of just like choosing the right people for your show choosing people that get it that want to be a part of it just because they want to be a part of it um and you know full transparency we do pay people um at this point the show pays for itself not much after that but you know it pays for itself you know and, and that's your labor <laughs> i said yeah except your labor right yeah except for that okay yeah. yeah yeah except for our labor no you know luckily we're fortunate that we both stream on and do other content on the side and we both have full-time jobs like so it's not our you know it's not our main focus of in terms of money making so we're we're able to forego you know taking that money we don't need that money to survive we're able to 
one of our main goals with the show was always to from day one we paid and because so many people don't you know what i mean they they and i get yeah. it that they can't but for us because of our situation and you know it's because this wasn't a full-time thing we made it a priority of like people are giving us their time and we want to um show that we appreciate that and, and that it you know means something and we wanted to you know in some small way change the industry um in terms of like making it a standard practice you know because we played for years and years without getting paid on various shows um and sometimes it's bullshit you know what i mean <laughs> it's just like yeah. um sometimes it's not worth your not worth your time so you know we at least want to compensate people even if they don't have a great time and it's not for them and they come on or like that yeah, it sucked like at least they got some value out of it in some mm-hmm. way uh, we hope that's not the case, but we just want to we want to you know value people's time and and have them value our time as well because when you when you pay people then you know sometimes they still don't show up prepared or things but they tend to a little bit more they tend to take it a little more seriously because it is a paid gig because so many of their gigs aren't paid you know right. what I mean? even if it's even even if they don't need the money they're like oh they're gonna they're gonna pay me you know and they're gonna pay me on time and they're gonna pay me quickly and they're gonna you know like we're not we're not messing around with it we 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 pay people we we make sure we take care of folks when we can uh you know you know. We we're we've trying to work it up. You know, every time we go to pitch sponsors or something like that, it's always for the for the purpose of people more or also putting money in our pocket to pay, you know, which will have a bigger budget. You know what I mean? So getting getting those people in that are gonna cost you like five hundred dollars for two hours or more, maybe. Who knows? You hit on a couple of things that I think are key things to keep in mind, especially when you're getting into either content creation or running shows or producing or anything like that. Uh, and the first is uh you have a full time job. And <laughs> the um and that's been the case since you've been doing it. Um and I know that it is very rare actually in this sort of industry to be full time as a content creator because you have to build up your community to be so large before you can support something like that. Uh, what's it been like for you as you're working your full-time job and growing this on the side? What's your hourly input? Uh, whew, uh, it used to be a lot. There was a time back when I was on, uh, you know, Mixer and Sea of Thieves and stuff, eight hours a day at my job, and I would stream eight to 12 a day. Uh, and then oh. I would, and that was every day. And I'd sleep, there's a solid two maybe two and a half years where I slept two hours a night. Um, wow. And it's kind of like, uh, well, well, you know, I've never been in the, the military, but you have. And I know friends in the military that are kind of equate that your body kind of just gets used to that. You know what I mean? Like when you when you have to stay up and you're forced to stay up for all day, every day, and you can sleep at a moment's notice and, you know, and then you just keep functioning. I've heard people you kind of tell me that, that, you know, about those experiences. And I was like, yeah, I kind of did that to myself. You know, there was <laughs> for no reason. Um, at the you time, were, there was a reason. But uh, I would say for most people that would never function correctly but like i do know people like my uncle who can sleep four hours and then that's all he needs that's a very small subset of the population but like i've noticed that people who do that long term obviously uh very negative health and you are more able to do that when you're younger as opposed to older for sure yeah yeah for sure and and you know it got to there definitely got to a point a few you know i kind of stopped that a couple years ago and i was just like yeah i can't do it anymore um and not only that, but it was when I was doing it, it was advantageous for me to stream overnight um, oh, yeah. and it stopped being advantageous. So I stopped doing it, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and but now with like D20 Deathmatch in the uh, in the past seasons, like still put in quite a quite a good amount of hours you know, on top of the, the day job, like obviously we do our show, which is two hours, uh, and then the after show, but I also, you know, uh, I handle most of the production stuff. So every week it's getting OBS ready with the new overlays and assets. Um, we run a merch store, so it's, it's luckily, uh, my partner has taken that over, but I used to put, you know, several hours into the merch store a week, um, either designing or uploading or SEO optimization. Then there's editing things after like immediately after the episode's over, I spend the next couple hours editing editing it down for podcast or uh for youtube or or whatever it needs to be cut for cutting out breaks or whatever um which is not that significant um and then there's i don't know five to 20 hours a week uh editing clips sometimes depending on the show uh when we had the perception studio folks on i i spent uh the next day 12 hours straight editing 32 clips from uh from that episode for tiktok and instagram and all that stuff which lasted a month which is great uh so it kind of just depends um luckily i've gotten to the point where like the show stuff like getting the assets ready and as long as there's no hiccup with the folks creating their stuff like i can pretty much do it day of if i need to or you Mm -hmm. know a couple hours in a couple hours but uh even now that i've kind of pared things down 
and I, I kind of streamlined a lot of stuff for myself. It probably still takes 30 hours a week, 20 hours okay. a week, depending on a, on a on a light week, maybe. Yeah, that's a pretty big commitment. Well, we're also running a, a new show called Into the Mirror, and I've got a couple other shows I'm trying to, you know, plan, and scheduling is a nightmare with that and all that stuff. And we play, you know, we play on a uh, uh, with Captain Robert a couple of times a week. One show just ended, so it's like once a week now. But yeah. so that's also, you know, that's also eight hours a week that I couldn't do anything for our show. That's like set aside for someone else, you know, or somewhere else. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of time. <laughs> Have you noticed? Um, and this is purely anecdotal, so I won't mm-hmm. like audience should understand that this is per your perspective. But have you noticed that there is much? I don't want to say like benefit, but like when you collaborate with people and like you appear on their show once and you guest, um, have you noticed any particular bumps or anything like that when you do stuff like that? Because that seems like to be the common uh, theme as to what people think is going to be like quote unquote their big break. I don't think that appearing on well let me let me just let me just preface this uh, by starting to say is i actually don't get asked to play very much you know i've, I've i'm on the the long-term shows i'm on because you know we've been doing it for four years uh occasionally someone will ask me uh you know i was just over on winter's tale for their 24-hour stream um i've i've worked with a couple of folks uh uh at uh, part-time heroes they're doing some really cool stuff they're just kind of starting out um so occasionally someone will reach out but like for me I don't really get asked a lot. Uh, my partner, Becca, she gets asked all the time. So, and I'm just objectively like a better role player, a better actor, uh-huh. a better, you know, better human being probably. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she's just, you know, more engaging and, and uh, than I am. Uh, we're this just is very now different. the Becca podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just, let me just go get her from the other room and she can take over from here because <laughs> probably more interesting. But so I don't, I don't get asked, asked to play a lot, but uh, so for me, definitely not. Um, but I think in general, I think I think consistency is important. It's not about the one-time appearance on a show. It's about becoming and recognizable in the community. You know, if or in even in your circle, if if you've got a circle of ten or twelve people you play with regularly on different shows, you know, popping over for a show and then you're over here and then you're over here because a lot of the audience is shared. So someone might see you on a show once and be like, "Oh, okay, cool. Who's this person? Whatever." But then they see you again on another show and they're like, "Oh, I've seen this person before." It takes it takes a couple of times, I think, for people to like seeing you play somewhere before they start taking notice of like your skill or lack thereof one of the two um you know but like uh because it's like even if you watch a show like if you watch me uh right now i'm playing a, a spell jammer campaign with like runaway robot and uh, dana taj and and i'm cat and some folks on on fridays like a short like 10 episode thing but like on there i'm playing a auto gnome artificer who who talks like a southern gentleman and fires off his pistols into the air you know what i mean so if if you come in and you see that and that's not really your jam, you know, you may not like me where else you yeah. can come over to uh D20 deathmatch where I'm really just acting mostly like myself, just kind of a little bit more assish as the arbiter. Um, or, you know, you come over to other shows where I'm doing whatever accent this is. I don't know what it is, but they do it sometimes and uh, it just comes out. Um, you know what I mean? So like, that's the other weird part about D and D is they may f- see you somewhere. And they're like, Oh, I just thought that's how you were or how you talk, but you can do these other characters or these other stories or this other. So like it takes people a while to, to watch you. So, one, I think a one and done like oh you're famous now is a, is a no no shot in this industry unless you're going to be unless that one shot's like critical role or something then maybe. yeah yeah I saw a um there was a huge bump for like Jasmine socials but not like when she went on D20 uh the other D20 sorry Dimension 20 um <laughs> um when uh she uh was on that uh obviously because it's like such a huge platform but yeah even like her being on critical role that one time wasn't a huge bump for her if i remember correctly it's just a matter of for most of it it's it's the it's the sad truth that people probably don't want to confront like especially when they're trying to build whatever it is they're trying to do and become a creator it just takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. and follow through and consistent work is more important than like a ton of work so yeah well and there's and there's there's definitely the the flavor of the week type of situation that happens as well in the space and i think that's true about any creative space whether it's you know just gaming or whatever uh you know tiktok just there's there's trends and fads that happen and and folks will be you know are being hyped up and they're being on every single wizards of the coast show and they're on 
uh, Dimension 20 and they're on Critical Role and they're on every little show in between because everybody's clambering to get them on their show, whether they're actually, you know, like we talked about earlier, whether they're actually is not really important at that aspect. It's like everybody wants to work with them because they're popular at this moment. Um, and that's great because, you know, maybe you can mutually benefit off of those things. But, um, you know, that that fades people that were unless you're going to keep being on those shows, Critical Role on Dimension 20 on unless you're going to keep showing up, people are going to forget. You're not just talking about you're talking about a whole collective of people, you know what I mean? And some people are going to be into things and into different things. And, you know, and that that it's not a stagnant audience. It's an audience that comes and goes. New people filter in, old people filter out. So the, even the memory of those people fades because the same people that viewed those shows maybe aren't even in the community anymore um yeah so you gotta you have to consistently put yourself out there and the name for yourself and, and in my opinion build your own stuff because you know if you want to be known for something then you're probably gonna have to do it yourself absolutely and talking of now that we've shifted to talking about making your own stuff let's talk about into the mirror all right so into the mirror tell our audience what it is and like how you conceived of it and like what you think it's moving towards so into the mirror is a new show that we just started um i dm it and i have a awesome cast it's big daddy Teej, uh, anubis uh miss magitech from magi rpg uh, on twitch and then uh parallax stella all those are you know twitch people mostly except for uh except for uh tracy miss magitech who is focused on D content as well but uh so it is a it's a show that actually is a derivative show of d20 deathmatch uh we did in season two we did the fate of the arbiter which was this whole i won't do the spoiler of like the plot but it was this whole thing about the arbiter and these folks needing to rescue him um and so it was the three uh Tiege and tracy and anubis going out to do that and so we did like like a three-part show that kind of culminated in our season finale battle for the crown which was the arbiter versus the grandmaster and so their stories kind of tied in there and in that series you know uh one of their one of their comrades uh, died you know in the in the final battle in our season two finale and um so this just kind of picks up with that 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 group and they're basically traveling to the underworld to go retrieve their friend so so basically that's it and we picked up uh parallax uh stella on because i you know i was like oh we need a fourth someone to balance out this this kind of group and and so i asked her to come on she agreed and and so it's kind of picking up from there narratively and but it's a, an offshoot it's not directly impacting anything in the show anymore it's just kind of its own thing in the universe but the interesting thing about i do about that is as different from our you know, d20 deathmatch is a two-hour episodic show um we have had a series of like three shots of like mini campaigns uh because i like short-term stuff this is a long-term campaign but it is a uh, it is edited down in a way where episodes are between 10 and 25 minutes for the most part and i re-soundtrack them and i add in sound effects and um take kind of the podcast approach to it um uh, it's kind of my 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 newest strategy about putting out D content in shorter form uh getting more bang for my buck on youtube how do you find that right now i think you've put out a lot of content on youtube i mm -hmm. don't think i've counted it looks like well since you're if we're talking about d20 deathmatch it looks like at least 60 videos oh there's there's more probably 80? uh well if you count the shorts it's hundreds oh yeah i'm just on the long form that makes sense okay yeah yeah, yeah now that they've separated shorts that's great yeah 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 there's let's see it was like tw 14 episodes season one 20 in season two and 17 in season three so 30 some episode or sorry uh 40 some episodes of d20 deathmatch plus extras plus shorts plus extra series so yeah it's probably like 60 60 some videos maybe in terms of like main videos yeah i think the average across youtube was that you will publish 100 videos before you hit a thousand subscribers and like most people when they find that out they're just like oh shit good fucking luck you better you better get to work subscribers um, are hard on youtube they it's a it is a well it's like anything else in content creation it's a consistency uh consistency yeah. doesn't matter how bad your content is if you are consistent you will you will get a thousand people to a eventually you know gel with whatever you're making you know wh whether it's ironically or not that's up to them but uh <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like 
eventually if you keep beating your head against the wall it'll crack that is something i've learned over over 10 years but that's not always what you, that's not always the smartest option you know there are probably faster ways to do it and better ways to do it but yeah it's 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 hard it's hard to hard to get that and that's why i've within the mirror i actually don't like watching long form D. if i'm being honest mm-hmm. i don't like sitting down for four hours or two hours even um and we did d20 deathmatch to kind of combat that four hour thing it's like 90 minutes or two hours because that's more palatable to to us but even that for me is like that's that's pushing my limit of what i'll watch and so for me it was important to like well what if i just record a four hour session and then i cut that into eight episodes that are like you know you know depending on how the scenes break up, you know, that are like 10 minutes or 15 minutes or, you know, and then I can resound track them and make them a little bit better, you know, do a, do a, like a really quick stinger intro. That way we can just get right into the content. No intros. No, this is who's playing on the show. No, you know, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Because YouTube's, not designed you know the current model of of D shows like nobody wants to sit through your 15 minute intro where you talk about everyone's twitch channel yeah exactly like yeah for sure <laughs> they are not they want the content within yeah. the first 30 seconds or they leave and yeah. so it's it's just been a it was that's kind of how we've, we're structuring this new content going forward just trying to take our four hour session which i can do like once a month rather than playing every week or a couple times a week and just make it go further and then the people that miss eight weeks of episodes and binge it all in four hours you know and uh like i said earlier i like shorter campaigns i don't like weekly campaigns because i feel like it's hard to keep the pacing um i like very cinematic style shows if you watch any of my shows it's going to be a pretty much a straight three act structure you know of like we're 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 going on this it's a movie uh you know i'm going to montage we're not going to travel we're not you know unless you really want the shopping scene we're not going to do it because i want to i want every scene to be impactful you know we're not going to bullshit in the tavern for it's not going to happen in in the games i run um for content you know maybe at my table at home at, at, for content right. like nobody wants to watch you, you know, talk for for 8 hours about your sob story or whatever um you know they want the they want the scene to be impactful and be moving somewhere like a movie yeah. uh like a tv show so that's what i think about when i when i make things and i'm just like well if i do one episode a month i can make sure that you know i cut it into eight chunks or whatever so it lasts a lot longer it's shorter people can watch it uh, on their break at work but it also like it allows me as a as a dm to make sure that every moment is impactful you know there's no wasted moments i think a lot of people also get themselves in, in such an oversaturated market with D shows like yeah they'll come just because like we're funny they're gonna sort through like tens of dozens of hundreds of hours of content to find the two moments that were really funny in your show so mm-hmm. uh you have to be doing something post-production in order to get people to watch for sure a lot of a lot of people are funny out there and and, and and yeah, you, you hit on it with the post-production, and, but not just post If you're doing live stuff, even like this is something that kind of kind of tugs at me because I'm like, for me, I'm always looking to increase the production value. Um, if I could mail everyone a computer and a camera and an XLR microphone, XLR microphone that comes on our show, if I could if I could physically mail everyone something, because, you know, when when people pop on and they're streaming out of a toaster or something like that, I'm like. Yeah. you know the internet's drop and i'm like it it just it crushes my soul because i you know between seasons like i did even like little things like animating the, the overlays so they move you know it's just like these things that no one really even notices but i notice it just adds to the overall like structure of things or like soundtracking things live and and organizing things so you can pull up music live and actually have the music fit the scene and all these little things that you can do um to increase audio and and you know i started recording all of our shows on a separate computer so i could um record every audio track individually so that way when i make clips i can have clean cameras and clean audio with no overlays so that'd be better quality and it's a lot more work but it's also like it's one thing like if you go watch our clips on on uh tiktok and you watch our old clips versus our new clips they're night and day quality difference and if you go watch our clips versus somebody else's clips quality wise in terms of like production wise night and day difference because i re-soundtrack the clips too like I, I don't just use the existing audio i'm like that doesn't fit i'm gonna right. you know like there's always little things that you can do and not that that is the end all be all you know as long as you have okay audio people will listen but um, i think there's a lot of people in in the space that call themselves producers that don't do a lot of production if that makes sense you know they yeah, don't call they don't out. care about their quality as much as as they probably should not meaning to call anyone out or you know you know if you enjoy your show fucking hit it hard and wish it well but you know for me it's just like i die a little bit inside 
when when I when I see those things, I'm like, man, if you just did this little thing, the little thing in OBS, this little thing here, if you just learned this little trick or something, like it'd be night and day, and like you'd be setting yourself apart so easily from other people. Yeah, and I think you uh, also are allowing yourself more freedom, taking those extra steps because then you have more control about what the medium turns out as. Mm-hmm. If you're limiting yourself to really the lowest common production value, then you are limiting yourself to like a Zoom call with very great granular audio and video there's not a lot you can do with that i'll just i'm just gonna go ahead and say this out there so if, if you're out there you're listening you're a dm you want to start streaming your games or on youtube twitch you want to record them whatever stop using zoom there are other programs uh that cost same price as zoom that will stream 1080 4k 60 fps bitrate audio uh we use ping.gg uh for ours they're great they're a little bit uh, more expensive uh but if you've got a budget that's cool but there are other free programs out there they're gonna knock zoom just out of the out of the park so quit using zoom please for the love of god <laughs> just quit it for your next year 2023 or as of recording this this is the end of december what's your plan for 2023 as far as like your content and what direction are you moving what do you think the future of your space is <clears throat> We have we had a lot of things planned, uh, mostly just more chaos. Uh, it's I have I've been and I've been talking about this show for a long time. I have a Mork board game that I'm I'm working on getting produced with the puppets from Perception Studio, um, and I've announced this so many times, so I don't feel bad about talking about it. Even though the, the scheduling just keeps, we were supposed to start recording in October. Scheduling conflicts, scheduling conflicts. So one of these days this year, we're gonna we're gonna hammer it down, and it's gonna be a Morkborg anthology series. It's gonna be a meat grinder where the puppets just they play a character, that character dies, new character just walks in off the street. You know, we're just gonna imp- roll a new character on the spot, just improv, um, and just yeah. get real weird with it. Death metal uh, playing everywhere, and uh, make it super violent and super gory. Um, that's a passion project of mine. That's, that's, I, I, I will beat it into submission. Uh, so far I haven't been able to yet, but, but one of these days I will, I will wrangle the, wrangle the cast and they're on board. It's just like a, you know, it's, it's the classic, it's a scheduling thing. Like just when, when can we all sit down on different time zones and different, you know, whatever. Um, so that's coming down at some point and I'm, I'm super excited for that. Um, I think that's going to be a very fun show. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe my, my favorite show. I already know. Um, so I've got well, that. Mark Borg is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and the folks from Perception Studio, uh, we've had them on the show a couple of times. But if you haven't checked them out on Twitch or wherever, like they're so funny. Um, they're so talented and they're very, very kind and nice people and just willing to create content. And like uh, they're just they're just really good folks who make some really good shit. And they're one of my favorite groups out there just because they're just their their banter and their improv is just it's just so in line with our humor and stuff like it's just so good. So definitely check them out if you haven't yet. But um, so that's coming down the way. Uh, we have a couple other shows that are that are going to be in the same vein of like I think we have a lot of anthology shows we're planning uh, where it's you know uh, one to two hours probably going to be edited down to fifteen to twenty minute episodes we'll probably chunk them like we do the rest of it just because I think that's going to be a better model moving forward it'll depend on how the content is but you know if it makes sense or not but definitely have some anthologies coming. Uh, we probably are going to do more D20 Deathmatch limited series of like lore and stuff like that and side stories. So that's always going to be coming season four of D20 Deathmatch. And then um, uh, we'll have two live shows probably this year. Um, oh, really? One is unannounced. And then uh, the other one will be at GCX 2023 here in Orlando. We did GCX a live show in 2022. And if you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't watched it on our YouTube yet, you probably should. It's it's chaos uh, it, to the highest degree from from day one. And this is a tangent here, so sorry. Uh, no, from good. day one, we we planned to like being a live show was always our plan. Uh, it was like, how do we do this in a live setting in a live place and make it like a rock concert? Not make it a D and D show where you sit at a table and everyone just plays D and D. We want it to be a concert. You know what I mean? like just a metal concert, a show where people are running around and screaming. And I, I have a vision someday of blood cannons, like Guar style shooting out in the audience and, and shit, you know, um, <laughs> like just a yeah. spectacle. And, and, you know, so, and we were able to do that for the first time at, at GCX and, um, you know, just over a year after we launched uh, or just under a year, just under two years after we launched, we were able to do that working with the folks from uh, rare drop to bring our stuff to their convention. And, and it was just, just chaos, just screaming around 
rolling inflatable dice, getting audience to roll dice for us, playing with swords on stage, you know, just like it was just uh, it was chaos. And so like that's that's our vision. And so we'll have at least two two of those coming in 2023. That sounds super cool. Um, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. That looks. Yeah, well, what we were like, uh, you know, they were like, uh, oh, well, we got a table for you and, and some microphones with stands. And I'm like, no, no, no. We need handheld microphones. Get rid of the chairs. We don't need them. Like we're going to be running in the crowd like this is not a this is not a panel it's not a D D show this is a rock concert just think of it that way <laughs> so that's, 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 that's so the cool. goal yeah i think yeah that's that's super cool i think one of those things also that you're you're hitting on that's important to focus on uh, when you are creating content is like what are you what are you doing differently and how are you putting your twist or your special flavor on your content in your niche and you've definitely like hit something that's very unique and it's been growing because of it mm-hmm. and a lot of people just don't ever either find that or they don't reflect enough in order to find that um but you put obviously so much of yourself and uh your partner into what it is that you're doing that is really yeah and it's and that's it's just something like you know we love like mystery science theater 3000 and like the episodic structure of that um and that's our show's based loosely off that kind of stuff and celebrity deathmatch and uh it's just fun you know and I love obviously all those shows yeah and it's the pvp aspect but like honestly like we it's not like a min max pvp because that would be boring don't get too far into it but if you, other other pvp shows out there that try to they usually go off the rails because they try to stick to raw um and when you do that you're just going to end up with two 10th level wizards one-shotting each other yep. uh, or whatever you know like it's just it's not made for that so you can't pretend you know like it is so you either are able to bend with the rules or, or break them or you don't um and that's why our kind of why it took that structure of like a wwe match and because it's more about that you know the 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 show and the the undertaker rising from the grave you know and stuff like that um than it is about like let's build min max characters which is also fun i i also fucking love doing that uh <laughs> you know, so yeah but that's it's just uh it's super unique and and i definitely without i had the advantage of obviously having a partner who is also there to help and she makes up for any deficiencies that i have as a dm or a producer or uh dealing with people in terms of like communication styles and things like that and and um it's very helpful especially because some people would rather you know as i'm to be frank about it like some people when i you open their dms asking them to play they're like uh you know who's this who's this white dude you know what i mean uh they're not they're not into it so it's nice to have you know other representation in our team of me and her that you know, people are more comfortable talking to her. If they're, you know, more comfortable talking to me, they talk to me and like, um, and we can, we can kind of, uh, reach a, a larger audience of, of players and, and, and folks because we are diverse a little bit more as a team. And we also focus on bringing diverse people in as much as we can to our show. Um, it's a big, big sticking point for us as well on top of paying people. Um, so that definitely helps in all the things that she does on the side of like, uh, the graphics and the back end and a lot of like the lore work that we do together and stuff is just like super helpful to have a, a, a team member that like compliments me and, 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 you know, hopefully I compliment her. I won't speak for it, but <laughs> we'll find out when, when she's on the podcast. Ooh. <laughs> Rough. Well, if she accepts, she'll probably be like, email. fuck that guy. I hate him. He doesn't do shit around here. Um, yeah, you didn't have to tell people you're a white guy on my podcast. They can't see you. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hiding it. <laughs> uh, with that being said, um, did you have anything that you wanted to present to my audience uh, before we wrap here? To present? I'm wholly unprepared for this. Uh, I would just, I would just say if you haven't checked out D20 Deathmatch yet, just, just, uh, just come check us out over on YouTube. Uh, definitely uh, check out Into the Mirror because that one's going to be ongoing in between our seasons. Uh, so the new season doesn't start for a month or so. But uh, other than that, you know, just uh, I think it would just challenge people to do something weird, do something different. Uh, you know, stop doing the four hour D&D shows. Um, you know, stop doing the stop trying to be a clone of this show or that show or whatever. And just like find something that you think is funny or unique or interesting and just go do it. Don't ask permission. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. And if you've got 10 minutes, you could watch me on d20 deathmatch yeah. episode 15.5 nine minutes and 55 seconds because it has editing so oh no that's the uh, that's the after show that would be the oh, my season bad. three episode 15 um that should be probably under the live tab oh yeah it is under the live tab that's right well either way <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and uh yeah y'all take care Thanks so much for listening to the Dollars and Dragons podcast. If you'd like to support me and, more importantly, my editor who does all of the heavy lifting here, then you can subscribe to patreon.com slash it's Friday. And that is going to go straight to my editor.
Appreciate it. Thank you so much.